Father, as we come to your word, as we explore the message of your word this this night, I ask that you would you would anoint the preaching, but Father, I ask for much more than the anointing on the preaching. I ask for your anointing on the hearing. That this night you would grant clarity to our hearts that we might see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I love this service. Um, I, I look forward to this certainly throughout this season and in many respects throughout this year because it's great to all be together as, as families and oftentimes as extended families uh, as we gather on, on Christmas Eve. I'll have to admit that tonight I am a, I'm a tad bit sad. I, I come without Anna and, and Pierce, they are uh, home sick, um, getting better, and, and, um, but it's a fitting end to 2020. But as I've thought about coming to this service without her, it, it actually took me back to our first Christmas Eve. We were newlyweds, been married, oh, about three weeks. And on Christmas Eve, we, uh, we worked all day, and, and, and at the end of working all day, as uh, we, we met back at, at, at our new home, and, and we loaded in the car, and we drove to North Carolina, because we were going to be with Anna's family. We got to Greensboro just shy of 11 o'clock, and we all loaded in the car and went to the late evening Christmas Eve service. And I remember that night, it just it was one of those nights that, that sticks out, maybe because we were newlyweds, maybe because it was my first Christmas with my, uh, my in-laws, we were, we were all together at this service, and, and it was just such a special night, the, the songs that we sang, the scriptures that we read, the candles that we lit, they all just felt right. But why do they feel right? As I look back on 23 years and look back to that night, if I am honest with myself about why that all felt right that night, it felt right because it was familiar. It was comfortable. I knew these songs, I, I knew these scriptures that we read, and, and in that uh, comfortable familiarity, I felt at home in the church, and that familiarity drew my emotion. But yet at the same time, this emotion, this familiarity wasn't clear to me that night. You see, Jesus was, at that time in my life, uh, nostalgic. I had grown up in the church. I had grown up in services much like we are experiencing here tonight, and if you've been with us throughout Advent, you've heard me speak about the nostalgia of Jesus, the, the memories. But at that time in my life, Jesus was more nostalgic than he was personal. Maybe for you, that fits your description of this night. Maybe for some of you, and I say it as one who relates... A Christmas Eve service brings back sweet memories 
And those are drawing your emotion more than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as I thought about this text that John Hinton has just read for us from Luke 2, one of those nostalgic passages, uh, and considered preaching it, I've, I've realized that tonight is not the night to try and teach some new truth, as if there would be a new truth from this familiar passage. No, tonight our purpose is to make clear an old truth. If you've been with us again in Advent, we've been looking to Isaiah chapter 9, and and we've sort of rested in in verse 6 of Isaiah 9. There are a series of four names that we read there, and this, this beautiful verse, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, and as we've spent these four weeks of Advent sort of looking at these names, we've, we've gotten a, a bigger picture of Jesus. We've seen much about his character, much of who he is, this, this sort of 360 degree description of this child. But they've been a general description. And as we've explored them, we've tried to see how they looked forward. But This message, this night from Luke 2, takes that general description and and it just drives it at the heart of the the mission and the identity of of who this child is. We, We come tonight with a familiarity. The flow of what we'll do, the songs we'll sing, but that night, there was no familiarity for the shepherds. So, sure, they were vaguely familiar with the prophecies. They were vaguely familiar with Isaiah 9 that we spent time in. They, they were vaguely familiar with Isaiah 11 that Emily read. They were vaguely familiar that there was something that was to happen at some point, that there would be a Messiah. But they had no expectation, none whatsoever. When they went out into the field that night, what was about to happen? Out of nowhere, the herald angels came. The herald angels came to the shepherds that night with a message of joy and of clarity. John Hinton read it earlier. I I go back to verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Yes, he's wonderful counselor. Yes, mighty God. Yes, everlasting Father. Yes, Prince of Peace. But this child born this night, he is Savior. And he is Christ the Lord. The angel of the Lord spoke that night over the shepherds, bringing clarity to centuries of prophecy. And, and then the angel was surrounded by the multitude. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels that night, I would dare say they got the shepherd's attention. 
What has gotten your attention this year? What has gotten your attention this year? And, and might this night be shaking you out of mere nostalgia? You came this night, and whether you realize it or not, your coming is evidence that the Lord was bringing you. He was drawing you here this night, and I believe He was drawing you here for a purpose. And that purpose was to hear an old truth made clear. The child whom we celebrate at Christmas, oh, He was glorious. He was a sweet child in a manger. We coo and all over Him. But this child... Savior. He came, yes, to save the world from their sins, but friends, in our nostalgia, our focus is on the world. He came for you. He came because your sin separated you from the Father. This child who was born that night, he would grow. He would grow to to be a full-grown man, and in his childhood and in his manhood, he did what you couldn't do. He followed God's law perfectly. And then, he went to the cross. And he died, not merely to take on the sins of the world, but the Savior came to take your sins. That is His work of of reconciling sinners to the Father. That is His work as the Savior. But the question I ask for you this night is, is He yet your Savior? I do not ask, do you believe in Jesus? I don't ask, are you trying to live for Him? Or are you hoping that at the end of your life he'll look down on you and see that you tried your best and and let you in I'm asking this very clear question in your heart have you said I don't have it in me I've tried to live for myself and myself is a far cry from the glory and the majesty of this God I have fallen short of the glory of God, the glory that the angels sang so clearly of that night, and I want to stop trying to live in my own strength. I want Jesus, not because He is the Savior of the world and might be able to help me one day, I want Jesus as my Savior. I ask you these questions because I know I know what it's like to come to a familiar Christmas Eve service. And I know what it's like to sing songs that you've heard since you were a child. I know what it's like to hear Luke chapter 2, a passage that you could recite. I know what it's like to hear those songs and those words and not be clear on who this Savior is. I know what it's like to think of this Jesus 
is a sweet baby boy that fits somewhere in my memories but bears no relation, no importance in my everyday life because I understand what it means to rely on an emotion that is not founded on the clarity of God become man because I needed him. And so I ask you these questions tonight, trusting that God has brought you here for a reason. I don't know all of your stories, but I know that the Lord our God is sovereign over all. And I know that he has brought you here to this place to hear an old truth made clear. That the child we celebrate this night, he is the Savior. But unless he is your Savior, you're missing out on the beauty of this night. Maybe someone here hears this old truth made clear but is afraid to respond because if you respond, then the people around you who think that you are already a Christian trusting in Jesus for salvation, that they will see that something's been missing in what you've been declaring these many years. I know that because I was one of them. I was afraid to take hold of Christ because what would the people think who already thought I had taken hold of Him? Maybe some of you are here this night um, thinking, I'm not worthy. Thinking that if, if I am to speak these words to Jesus, then, then I'll be ashamed. And, and that's where I want you to see that there is this connection between his mission and his identity, that this child that was born this night so many years ago, he was God. He was God become man. And God became man not to bring shame. God became man to cover shame. God became man to cover your shame. His identity speaks to His grace. And shame may hold us back, but Jesus came to cover shame with the joy of His righteousness. Friends, we're not going to have an altar call tonight because we're not here to make a show. But I extend an invitation nonetheless. And the invitation is this. On this night, the night when we sing of angels and shepherds rejoicing over the birth of the Savior, let this night be a night of rejoicing for you over the birth of your Savior. My invitation to you this night is is to hear this old truth made clear and made personal. Don't rest this night on the nostalgia of familiar songs and familiar passages. Hear and embrace this child as your Savior. Embrace Him in faith. And with that invitation comes a second invitation. As I said, we're we're not here to walk an aisle, but I do trust that some of you this night maybe for the first time, are hearing with clarity 
I'm trusting that some of you are responding and the invitation is later. In private. Come find Michael. Come find me. Come find one of our elders. And let us walk alongside of you as together we grow in embracing the faith that is graciously given to us by God the Father. As we do this, friends, We do what the shepherds did that night. We have heard a message that is too glorious to leave us standing in our old place. And we must go. We must go see. We must go worship. The shepherds did that 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 night. And as they did so, this message that they heard, this message that they received, this message that they went and worshipped in light of, that message was a message that grew. There there is yet another old familiar nostalgic thing that we do this night. And uh, it is sweet and it's one of the things that I look forward to all year long. But I want you to receive it this night and I want you to see it with a greater clarity. You have a candle. Uh, I'm going to invite the the ushers and and some of our youth to, to join me here. As we sing our closing hymn, Silent Night, we'll lower the lights and we'll pass this light along. You see, John makes clear to us that Jesus came as the light of the world, the light shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As you see the light going forth this night throughout this room, understand and see it's a picture of the kingdom of God growing. As we receive this clear truth, as we grow in it, and as we go forth with it. Friends, this night... Receive the light and pass it along. We'll 